I pray that your word, Lord, would um, truly speak to our hearts, Father. Teach us more about what it means to grow in you, Lord. None of us have ever done growing, Lord. We're going from strength to strength, glory to glory. Seasons of growth will continue until the day we pass this earth. I pray we wouldn't fight that. I pray that we wouldn't let our flesh win and say, all right, I'm just comfortable doing this and that's it and that's all I can do. Spirit, I pray you break through on that and just break that. It's not of you. It's purely of the flesh. And I pray we wouldn't fall victim to it. So God, bless our study, Lord. Speak to our hearts. It's in your name we pray. Amen. All right, so let's look in the bulletin, okay? So we kind of give a little uh, short recap. So we did Sunday night last, last time. So that was different. Kind of fun, I thought. And um, so here's what we've been doing, okay, to catch up just a little bit. Let, and let's see if anybody picked up anything from last time. Everybody goes, oh. All right, so we've been working and we've been studying through, because typically that's what we do, right? That's our goal, that's what we want to do. Chapter by chapter, verse by verse, just go through, take detours when the Spirit leads, but we just commit to the Word, that's what we do. Uh, we've been studying through the book of... Huh, so I'll put your head down. <laughs> <laughs> First Corinthians, that's the one. You got it. Yes, air high fives all you. There we go. First Corinthians, we're doing it. Sounds <laughs> is having a good time. That's good. It's totally legal. We can have a good time in church. That's encouraged. All right. First Corinthians, what we're studying through. Okay, we left off on chapter, yeah, on chapter 10. Jenna's on it. Okay. And we were coming up on chapter 11, but we took a detour. And we took a detour because I just feel like God stirred in my heart um, to just talk about some of the main and plain. Say main and plain. The main and plain kind of foundational Christianity one-on-one type of truths. And probably much of that had to do with because we're going through baptisms and people giving their life over to the Lord. And so we talked about things like, you know, what does it mean to be a Christian? Why would you get baptized? Um, An interesting third question uh, why, why would God call us to live a life that follows and models Jesus when we're physically incapable of doing it? <laughs> like, Jesus is the only person of all time to live a particular way, to think a particular way. That particular way was perfect, by the way. And God's saying, hey, yeah, do that. Is that even fair? Is it even biblical? So, right, so we looked at that. And if you missed any of this or you forgot about any of it, of course, it's always online, right? So that was a few weeks right there. And then our last time, last Sunday night in Galatians, I really wanted to center around this question of, okay, we've, we've already sort of talked with and dealt with what it means to be a Christ follower, why we would do it, why get baptized, um, why God does in fact call us to, to model and follow after Jesus, and how it's totally reasonable. We talked about that. Um, so then for the Christian, it's like, okay, so now I'm going to live life. So eternity's settled now. Now the name's in the book of life. So now from day to day, what, what am I doing? What is the goal? What is like top priority? What is God expecting? So that's why we jumped into Galatians for a little bit. 
Because, like we talked about last time, um, the priority from God's perspective is, number one, He wants us to walk in freedom. Say freedom. Freedom. So, do it in the Braveheart voice. Yeah, there we go. That's the guy that means it. So, we had one question last time. Really trying, wanted to try to answer really well. I think we did, but I don't know. I'll just try and tackle it again. The question they wanted to answer last time, and it's in your bulletin. The question I wanted to answer last time was, what is God's priority? What is His goal with us being in relationship with Him? What's, what's, what's like top priority? What does He have in mind? For somebody that, that they would call themselves a Christian, God has something in mind about that. He's got a priority. He's got goals for that. And we talked last time, certainly about loving others, um, certainly about glorifying God Himself, um, certainly about showing compassion, living like Jesus, absolutely. But what we talked about last time is, number one, He wants us to live in freedom. So I want to put up that picture, that yoke that we did last time. We talked about this idea of a yoke. That's what religion looks like. It's restrictive, it's oppressive, you're tied down, you can't go very far. If you don't perform right, you're always living in guilt. Most people, that's like everyday Christianity, and that's very sad. And it's like, no, 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 that's, that's not it. That's what he's saying in Galatians. We looked at this next picture. All right? That's kind of a picture of the Christian, the Christian life. That's our 5K that we did. That was everybody in the beginning. I needed pictures at the end. People are like laying down, they're all sweaty, leaning on each other, drinking water. You know? um, a lot of people start off the Christian life and start off with God like that. Oh, this is amazing. I'm going to change my life. Things are going to be so positive. They're going to be better. I'm going to surround myself with different people. I'm going to get a new Bible. You know, I'm going to, like, and all those are pretty good things. But if it reduces down to just a change in life, it doesn't last. Because this thing is not a 50-yard sprint. This is a marathon. And this may have well been a marathon for a lot of people. They were good for like the first 100 yards, and then it's like, oh, wow, it's really hot. Oh, it's kind of far. Why did I pay for this? Why am I spending my Saturday doing this? And that enters into the Christian mind, like, oh, man, this Christian thing costs a lot. God wants me to do what? Oh, I don't know. I didn't know that when I first gave my life to you know, like So we start thinking this way and doing this kind of thing. And so Paul's point in Galatians there is like, listen, God wants you to be free. It's supposed to start with the recognition of Jesus paid the way, made life available to us. It was never in our own strength. And we always have to stay in that. Because as soon as we get outside of that, thinking that we can bring acceptance of God into our lives by performing, we're in trouble. We'll start to fall off. And that's what the people in this Galatian church are like, we're getting caught up and they're starting to think that if they did certain things, that then they would be more acceptable, more pleasing to God. And God was saying, no, you become acceptable and pleasing to me. I listen to you. I hear you because of Jesus. Say, Jesus. Jesus. That's what makes us acceptable pleasing and able to be in relationship with God. That and that alone. That's it. 
Some people have the, so many times, I can't tell you how many times I have friends and other people, and I usually oblige them and do it. It's fine. I don't usually correct their theology on the spot, but sometimes I do. Very often they're like, listen, how about you just pray for me? God doesn't really listen to me. <laughs> or you have like a secret in with God. Or they're like, I have so-and-so pray because, you know, I don't really. It's all about, it's about Jesus. If he's our Savior, he's taking him into our life. We have full access to him all the time. We can always come to him. And he re- hears and he responds. Then we looked at this other picture. Right, that's, uh, anybody remember what that is? Yeast. So, so Paul was saying, hey, listen, when we start to think like improperly about who God is and his nature, it's like yeast. If a little bit gets in there, it starts to actually really affect and distort a lot of what we should know and understand about God. So if we let, say, doctrine, so if we let like some improper, unbiblical ideas about doctrine and about Jesus get into us, it like works its way out in crazy ways. So like if some people think, hey, God is just good and all people go to heaven, that, that's going to be some yeast that will work its way through. Because if you follow that thought process long enough, it's like we'll start to find that God is so loving that number one, Jesus died for nothing because everybody's going to heaven. And then number two, Somebody's eventually going to be confused if these ideas of moral like laws and judgments set by God are even right in the first place. Right? So that would be like yeast working its way in. Um, yeast that can work its way in or you know, something that people would think about, you know, church. I need to really start getting back to church. I need to start going to church. I need to start, and, and maybe somebody does. But, like, really the process is we need to get back to Jesus and with God first and be in relationship with Him first. The church is not going to, like, uphold and sustain your salvation in relationship with God. It was never the intention. It was never the design of it. The church is just meant to hopefully better equip and spur one another on in love and good works and then we go out and truly live our ministry that's really based out of relationship with God, not out of relationship with the church. So that there could be that yeast of like, oh, I need this, you know, church, church, church. And it's important. I'm not saying it's not important. It's very important. Because you get a group of people together that love and believe in Jesus and have the spirit behind it, you can accomplish a lot more than when you came with one, people for sure, one person for sure. So now we're going to get to this last picture today. This is what we'll talk about today. So that question from last week, right? What is God's top priority, number one goal for the Christian? Certainly needs to be in freedom, but here's the goal. Here's the top priority. Here's what it is. Drum roll. <laughs> nice drum roll. We got a couple of drum. Where's Rick? We got a couple of drummers. Um, all right, so our goal as a Christian is to grow and to bear fruit. That's it. That's it. It's to grow and to bear fruit. So chapter 5. 
I want to give some reasons for this and look at a couple of things. So in your bulletin, if you're following along, we did get to the question. We talked about the pictures. We didn't really talk about picture four yet. We didn't talk about false fruits, and we didn't get to the fill in the blanks at the end. All right, all right. Verse 13, here we go. Everybody say verse 13 together, just the first sentence. One, two, three. You, my brothers, were called to be free. It's a big deal. Put it on your Facebook today. Put it in your car, hang it in your house. Put it in your Twitter. Tweet that. Instagram it. That's the goal of the, the, the goal of the Christian is to operate in freedom. Freedom from other people. Freedom from ourselves. Freedom from the power of sin. Freedom from substances. Freedom from relationships. Operate totally in that. So much so that we then view our lives as purely a vehicle for God to work through and have His glory shine through. That's when you know, man, someone's like, man, they're in a relationship with the Lord. They're looking at their life. I just want God to be glorified in it. And I just daily am on my knees and on my face trying to figure out, Lord, how are you choosing to glorify yourself through my life here and there and there and there? And when we walk in freedom in it, it's like really amazing and very enjoyable. It's very difficult to be offended. It's very natural to forgive. It's, it's very foremost to show compassion. Right? And that's where God's taken us. I want you to know that's expected for you. Not to give you a guilt trip, but to give you an idea of what you're being called to. If we're going strength to strength, glory to glory, guess where you're going? Strength to strength, glory to glory. So you, my brothers, are called to be free. But do not use your freedom to... In- oh... But do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature. Rather, serve one another in love. So Paul's saying, hey, this great freedom that's available in Christ, don't use that as a loophole to manipulate it to say, oh, I can do this and I can do that and I can be around this and I can see these people. Don't you do it. Because that's what we try to do. Because at the end of the day, most of us still want to do what we want to do. We're trying to figure out ways to do what we want to do. Sometimes we do that intentionally. Sometimes it's even like subconsciously, unintentionally. It's like, man, I had no idea I was that selfish. Other times it's like, yeah, I am being that selfish. And, and that's sad when it gets like that. It says the entire law is summed up in a single command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you keep on biting and devouring each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. So here, what's Paul saying there? Why does he throw that in right there? Biting, devouring, what's he talking about? So what he's talking about is this issue in Galatia is they were kind of split and divided over what somebody should and should not do in order to be accepted and heard from God. The issue on the table was circumcision. It's always a really fun thing to talk about. The issue is circumcision. That's what was on the table. 
And because God had made an old covenant vow with his people, he said, listen, if you're my people, you're going to become circumcised. And that was, has been true, man, right up until Jesus for a long time, hundreds of years. And then Jesus shows up on the scene and he said, man, I've fulfilled the law. I've given total and complete freedom. You can circumcise if you want. Your call. But, total acceptance from God, the ability for God to hear you and then move and respond is not based on if you do this thing or that thing. So Jesus totally changed and shifted everything. And people in that church, well, it was an area, people in churches in that area in Galatia, they were divided on that. They're like, I still think we should do it. We've done it for so long. It's important tradition, like, why would God give it and then all of a sudden take it away? I don't understand how it works. So they were divided. And you know, when people get divided, you just think about something like, you know, politics. I'm with so-and-so because they, and I'm with so-and-so because of that. Oh, but you didn't know because of this. Oh, but did you hear because of that? And then, you know, you get into a whole, it's just biting and devouring. And a lot of strife. Because there's sides, and who's right and who's wrong. And Paul's like, oh man, you guys are missing it. Don't keep arguing about which is the best religious ritual practices to do. Live in love. That's what God's calling you to do now. So then verse 16, he says, listen. There's actually a good thing going on in somebody if they're very concerned about what's acceptable and pleasing to God. True? Because it means, like, they care. Some people flat out don't care at all in any way, shape, or form. So if somebody's like even considering what's right from God, what's acceptable, at least there's something going on. They're like, okay, they're acknowledging that there's a God. And they care about what is that God saying? What does he say is like the right way to approach him? What does he say is holiness? So Paul's saying, I'm glad that you guys are focused about it. Now I'm going to tell you what really matters and what's going to sustain you in freedom. Say sustain. Sustain. What's going to sustain us in freedom because this thing is a marathon. And it's very easy to get sidetracked and discouraged and distraught and stale and then just want to quit. It's very easy. So what does he say? Good question. Verse 16. So I say, live by the Spirit. Say the Spirit. And you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. Sinful nature? What are we talking about? Verse 17. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other, so that you do not, so that you do, not do what you want, But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under law. So Paul is saying, listen, here's the deal. There's a Spirit of God that calls people to live a life that models after Jesus. And the people that surrender to that and want to follow that, they're called Christians. So people focus on things like compassion. They focus on generosity. They focus on forgiveness. They focus on holiness. When people have that as like their main agenda in life, 
Paul says, if somebody's going that way, like what their flesh immediately wants to do is directly opposed to that. Like it's the, the direct opposite. And Paul's saying, man, that battle's always going to be there as far as like which direction you're going to choose to go. And how many of us know something about that battle and the struggle? Oh, all right, it's like two of us. That's pretty good. We're a holy group over here. But we have like this struggle going on where our, our flesh like wants to do this way and carry out this type of life with these characteristics, and we have our spirit that like it wants to go over here. We want to do, like sometimes, isn't it so hard to just like you know you should be sitting down praying with the Lord. Like you know it. It's time to pray. And it's not time to do like the half-hearted kind of prayer with like, I got to make sure I say whatever. Sometimes we know it's like time to really pray. And we're not even quite sure why, but we know this is time, this is right now. This. And then all of a sudden we want to dust. I've always wanted to clean out my file cabinet. I have time now. You don't have time. That's the point. Like we get called, right? God speaks to our heart. Like if we're listening, He is speaking. It's not if He is. That's like so, so bogus. He always is. If I were to ask you, which I won't, I wouldn't put someone in, well, maybe I would, but I won't. If I were to ask you this week, man, what did God impress strongly on your heart this week? You should have something. He's speaking. He's speaking, so like, are we listening? Just in the course of the day, man, his voice is just... And I totally agree with you, because some of you are like, well, I can't tell if that's God or if that's me. Good. I'm glad you're thinking that way. Keep going with that struggle of figuring out which is God and which is you. Don't quit going down that track, because now you can't tell in the immediate. Because then we just use that as an excuse to just check out. We do these things. Manipulation. So check this out. Verse 19. He gets real specific. So the acts of the sinful nature, here they are. So if you're wondering what the sinful nature was he was talking about, here we go. Sexual immorality. That's what our sinful nature, our flesh wants to do. It wants to just like go its own direction with its sexuality. I just want to do this. I just want to do it this way, and I just want to do it. I just want to do that. That's what like our sexual desires want to do. And God put them there. So what the enemy does is he goes, "Hey, if he gave you those, what kind of God gives you those and tells you not to act on it?" And I'm like, "Yeah, what kind of God does do that? That's ridiculous." And like, it's really hard to find somebody to agree with that. You know, that's what we'll do. Isn't that like so, it's like so, so old. Like who even does that? You know, like we do this crazy manipulative stuff. It's just insane. And because there's so many voices out in the world, we can always find a voice that we want to support what we're doing. Easy. Easy. So that's just number one on the list. Sexual morality, impurity. So the way God views us, so when we come before God, he sees Jesus' blood, Jesus working, it gets imputed to us. So God looks, 
but he really sees his son's blood that covers us. So we're like precious valuables that have been bought at an amazing price. When I buy something super expensive, which isn't very often, I take really good care of it. It was worth a lot of money. I don't want anything to happen to it. It's special. I hope you understand what I'm saying. God has purchased each believer at the cost of his son. And then some people just approach it as my life. I'm going to do it. I'm glad that he set me free, but now I get to do what I want to do. (laughs) No. There's an issue of, like, agreeing with the value that that God has already said. He's already said all of humanity is worth the price of my son. That's amazing. And so us as Christians like to just listen to anything, to just see anything we want, to just fill ourselves with any sort of anything and just be like, well, I'm a Christian, so it's fine. That's crazy that totally disregards this issue of setting ourselves apart for Him and His purposes. Tell me you hear me. So the Spirit says, man, keep yourself pure. Keep yourself only unto God. Do it His way. Because the truth of the matter is when we do it His way and in His timing, He more than comes through on the other end. Our flesh, the enemy, just does a good job of highlighting what we can do, especially what we can't do, especially in the moment. So, sexual morality, impurity, debauchery. Say debauchery. Yes. How often do we use that word? Right, but debauchery, you know, that's just like sexual funk. Say sexual funk. That's what it is. It's just not good stuff. Idolatry is putting anything before God. Anything. That's idolatry. So whether, you know, it could be a relationship, um, you know, it could be money, it could be our own selves, it could be anything. Just anything that comes that's somehow more of a priority than what God would say. Witchcraft. So should we dabble into horoscopes and try and go see a psychic and a palm reader? <laughs> no. I think it's like super clear. Like it's getting more clear. Don't do it. It's a work of the flesh. It's like the flesh, like somehow want to know some secret thing that maybe they can figure out so like it like feeds this incessant need for control and knowing that's fleshly much of the spirit life is based in one word that starts with an F and ends with an H yeah and sometimes God like gives us a preview and tells us things ahead of time and that's pretty neat and fun when it happens but many times the way he works is he says hey I'm calling you to this I want you to move here. I'll give you the rest of the details when I think it's time. <laughs> That's much of the way he works. Hatred. That's an obvious one. Discord. I can't go through all of them, but jealousy. Fits of rage. Just losing it. Losing it. It's interesting, um, you know, the Bible says, so if you were to ask the question, you know, is anger a sin? Um, there's some things you'd have to consider before answering that question, I think. 
I think you'd have to consider passage where it says, God is slow to anger. You have to consider that one. Um, you'd have to consider a passage that says, don't let the sun go down in your anger, right? You'd have to also consider the passage where it says, in your anger, don't sin. Kind of points the way towards there's like this place where anger is okay and justified. But most of us only know anger as a grenade instead of a scalpel. Spirit-led anger is much like a scalpel, and there's, there's much love attached to it. Uh, selfish ambition, just promoters. I promote myself at every opportunity. I'm the first to sit down in my seat. I'm the first person to get my thing. I'm the first person to get in line over there. Oh, is an opportunity to inject my thing? I'll inject my thing now, like self-promoters. That's a thing of the flesh. It's like, that's, not, that's, not even, that's not even a Jesus thing. It's a flesh thing. For some reason, I just always feel the need to interject my thing and my ability and my latest accomplishment and my latest thing. That's why, like, that's one of the reasons. There's many reasons. But that's one of the reasons why social media gets so annoying. It becomes a self-promotion platform that's, like, off the charts. But I do like all the baby pictures. That's fun. That's okay. Envy. I should have it. They shouldn't have it. I deserve it. How come they have that? Don't do it. Drunkenness. Everybody say, don't get drunk. It's pretty clear. probably tongue-in-cheek, right? But it's not always obviously that simple. So somebody does struggle with it, and it is a problem. The idea is just to let it just run its course. That's fleshly. I mean, that's just, that's what he's saying. It's not of the Spirit. The Spirit comes in and says, whoa, 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 your life is supposed to be like freedom. If for whatever reason, that's a need that has to happen consistently all the time, and you're going to be funky if you don't have it. We've got to work on something. So hopefully the Christian like, gets aggressive about it. Because sometimes it can be handled quickly. Sometimes it takes like a long time. Orgies. It was like not that uncommon in that day to think orgies are like a form of worship and acceptable. Because his grace was so amazing that it covered everything. So they're like, man, let's worship. I'm telling you, like it's so distorted. And the like. I warn you as I did before that those who live like this, look at, this is a big phrase here. I hope you don't miss this one. I warn you as I did before that those who live like this, meaning they practice this, there's no sort of like repentance or humility about it. They just continue in it. They're not going to inherit the kingdom of God. That's like, I, I didn't say that. God said that, right? Paul said Bible says that. And we live in a day and age where, oh yeah, I'm a Christian, and they'll do like, you know, they'll live in one, two, three, or whatever on that list. They'll live in it. That's the way I live. That's who I am. And now that I can do it, I'm like a free person. God wants me to be free. (laughs) The Bible's like, no, 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 no. 
not the case. And that's strong language. We won't even inherit the kingdom. So what that means is that if somebody is thinking that way, that they're a Christ follower and living in this without repentance in any way, shape, or form, the Bible is saying, man, they are severely deceived. They can't even see straight. It's very sad. Check it out. Verse 22, but the fruit, say the fruit, of the Spirit. Here we go. Boom, boom. Look at the picture. I just want you to see something here. We're going to close up with this here. Um, I like this particular picture because do you see all the roots going on in that thing? I mean, the time needed to develop all of those roots before you even saw a little shoot come out of the ground. This is supposed to be, Paul is using it as an illustration, a picture of our life with Christ. Most of us want to bail shit when root number three is happening. I don't see a thing. What is God doing? This is taking forever. It takes a long time. And those roots, hey, they, they just didn't like show up in the ground. It was like hard work to go through the ground, you know, and it took a long time. And it's like it's got to navigate through a tough terrain. You go over a couple rocks here, down over there, and then through. It's hard. Hard work. We think like you know, we just show up. I'm saved. I'm a Christian. Let's do it. You know, and it's that. It's kind of it, but not the whole story. Much hard work that has to be done in us. And guess what? Much hard work has to be done on somebody else. Now, before I read the list, I just want to tell you a couple things that aren't on the list that I think sometimes Christians think should be on there. I call them false fruits. Okay? False fruits. Sometimes Christians think these, these are like on the list, but they're not. Okay. Here's number one. We didn't read the list yet, but this, these aren't on there. Number one is efficiency. That's a false fruit. Efficiency. That's not a fruit of the Spirit. Efficiency. How efficient am I? How quickly can I get it done? Uh, that's much a product of our world. That's much a product of this just insatiable appetite for productivity of things that need to get done. The world we live in. It's not a fruit of the Spirit. It's an important, let's say, uh, quality that a human should have to be efficient that certainly helps. I mean, I don't think there's a ton of value in spinning your wheels in the sand and thinking you're going somewhere. Probably not real helpful. So what does that mean? So what that means is efficiency does not come at the cost of relationship. Loving on people, being compassionate with people, hearing hearts, just being in situations to serve others, sometimes, quite often, will cut into the efficiency of whatever project we're trying to do or accomplish. I can't tell you how many things are on my house that I tried to finish. I'm about ready to quit. <laughs> Every time I start, I'm like, something just more significant comes up. I won't be that efficient in that thing, but I will be efficient in that. We want to be efficient in investing into hearts and into souls. So efficiency is important, sure. Should you learn how to do your job better? Sure. But it doesn't come at the cost of people. False fruit, number two. Criticism. 
Some people think that's like a fruit of the Spirit. I'm super good at being critical. I can find the fault in everybody and everything. They might not say and use those words, but they live life in that way. Oh, they shouldn't. That's not right. Can't do that. Why do they do it that way? I could do it such a better way. That's like, I mean. And then it can happen in the Christian thing. They shouldn't wear that to church. I don't know why we play that song. Why did they even choose that carpet color? Why do they do it that way? I don't even know. These are real issues. I'm telling you. Like, we laugh. These are things. These are things. So being hypercritical. Because I think what the thought process is, is that let's just assume they're coming from a decent place. I think the thought process is they're able to identify what's good and bad. Maybe they, they, it's been a struggle for a long time in life, so they're figuring out like, what, what's like the better way and what's like not a good way. And so now maybe God has been working in their life and say, man, that's definitely better, but they don't have a way to really express that. It just comes off of being super critical and not loving. It happens. Uh, here's another one. I guess it, maybe it goes to criticism, but I've noticed it a lot. Unwanted advice. Like some people think that's a fruit of the Spirit. I'm just going to tell you what I think and what you need to know. <laughs> just interject that right here real quick. It's called unwanted advice. And I, think here's, and I think here too, there's probably good intentions. I do, I really do. I think there's probably some people that like, they feel like they've lived life, they've experienced things, and they see somebody doing something or living a particular way, and so they're thinking, I have something that can contribute that could be helpful. And of course, they'd want to know about that, right? Right, not all the time. Maybe not in that moment. So that's why it in no way negates that maybe they've lived life, they have experience, and they've got something truly valuable to offer. Let's just assume that's the case. It's probably really good for us as Christians to be like, man, I, man I'm thinking some things, and I just... If you're ever interested in hearing maybe what I thought or been through on that, just let me know. I'd love to share it. It gets received a lot better. Okay, one other, one other false fruit. Um, anxiety. Sometimes people like, for some reason, uh, this issue of worry and anxiety, it's like the, one of the most talked about things in the Bible. And at some point in time, sometimes for, I think a lot of Christians, it's just like, ah, it's just a thing I'm always just going to deal with. And it's just sort of... And like, if you really care about something, you'll be really anxious about it. You'll really get worked up. Because if you didn't get really worked up about it, then you didn't care. Make sense? And that's not really true. Because what if, think about it, what if somebody has a peace of God in their hearts and they have the faith to trust in a God that he will come through and work something out? They might actually be fairly calm about something. Because they care about it, but they know who they trust. You with me? So those are ones that are not on the list, but sometimes we think they are. And those are also the ones we've got to watch out for. Because all of us, like, it's a struggle for all of us. We can like, get sucked into that stuff. All right, here we go. Here's the, here's the list here. Fruit of the Spirit. Now, here's the good stuff. And it's interesting. Fruit. It's just fruit. So it's not plural. Like there's like a fruit of this and a, and a, and a fruit of that and a fruit of this. It, it's one. Say one. one. 
just once. Like when the Spirit is moving and working, like these are not coming at the cost of another. They're, they're growing together. So here we go with some fruit. Love. There we go. Joy. Growing in love and joy and joy. That, like, that's, that's a sign that the Spirit's working. Some people are ho-humming all the time through life for the past 15 years, and it's like, man, the Spirit does something different than that. Get closer to the Spirit. Like, listen to the Spirit. He has a way of just bringing joy out, even when things are just falling apart. Doesn't mean we don't care. Doesn't mean we're not affected. But it means we trust and have been in relation with a God who's greater and speaks life into situations. Peace. Patience. This peace one's interesting, too. Here's kind of a faux peace, just so you know. Um, some people only have a peace when everything's working out and falling in line. I got the job. Making some friends. Losing some weight. Paying some bills. Doing good. Really peaceful. I'm doing it. I'm peaceful. That's faux peace. That's not peace. That's not the peace that the Spirit's talking about when everything's working out. The peace we're talking about is when Jesus is asleep on a boat and the seas are raging all around him. He's just like, at peace. But man, I know who's in control. We can stop this at any moment. Fine. We're going to get to where we're going. We'll do what we got to do. So there's a faux peace. Be on the lookout for that faux peace. Say, be on the lookout to somebody next to you. I'm telling you. We don't want to just be the people that we're only doing okay when life is doing okay. And then we're a wreck when life is a wreck. We're called to grace. Patience. Everybody knows something about patience. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness. Gentleness. It's a manly quality in the kingdom to be gentle. It's not super celebrated in this world. But gentleness doesn't mean that there's never a side that might get angry or that might protect in a more aggressive way. That can still exist. But gentleness is like a unique mark of the spirit. Just gentle. Just the way wives, you know, husbands talk to their wives, wives interact with their husbands. Uh, people in a relationship act, uh, the way we respond with other people, it's just, for the most part, pretty gentle. That's the work of the Spirit. Because for many of us, we know, it's like, I've told you a thousand times, I'm so frustrated. Can you do it, please? One time. Act like you even care. Do it. Right? Like, that's not gentle, right? That's sarcastic, right? That's rude, that's belittling, right? That's, and we're all really good at that, unfortunately. Or maybe I'm just going to be good at it. But it's not good. God's calling us to be like, man, that should be a foreign part of your life. Embrace that I'm trying to create you to be a different type of person. Be in agreement with it. So those who belong to Christ Jesus, hey, that's you, raise your hands, have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. You supposedly put that thing to death. Why would you want to let that stuff rise up again? 
I understand it's a fight. But man, when we start to see stuff rise up, I hope you quickly squash it down. Verse 25, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. So, I like that picture. That just speaks volumes to me. You know, deep roots, long time. I just want to tell you two things about the picture, and we are done, I promise you. Okay? Number one. The growth is inevitable. It's inevitable. When we're connected, like, none of those branches in that tree can just jump off and be like, "Ah, I'm tired of growing with the tree now. We've gotten too high. I don't like being this high up. Like, none of the branches can just, like, jump off the tree and decide not to be in anymore. I think... That's significant because Paul purposely uses a botanical, say botanical, a botanical illustration to show that the branches, who we are, if we're growing up as fruit, connected to a larger vine, we're supposed to be in such relationship that we're choosing not to get away from the vine, that it's supposed to be completely harmonious and right to stay close. It's supposed to be so much so that like if we were separated from the tree, we lose nutrients, we won't survive, and we're going to shrivel up. Tell me you hear me. Because when we are close and when we are with Him and in fellowship, growth is, say, inevitable. It's coming. Try and fight it. It's coming. Growth is coming. It's happening. Here's number two, last one. Growth is gradual. Gradual. Sometimes there's seasons of man where he's just popping, it's going. Like some stuff in my garden right now is actually growing right now. You're seeing some growth. That's pretty cool. Not always the case. Much of growth in the spirit is gradual. So sometimes you might only see, man, I'm just keep reacting the wrong way. I keep that thing keeps coming into my mind. I keep kind of like, whatever it is. Keep faith. Growth is gradual. It's gradual. The key to that inevitable and gradual growth is staying humble, staying repentant, fighting the faith. Good word? Alright, so here's the one question. Here's the one question we got. Right at the end here. I gave you some false fruits. We did pretty much everything. Here's that fill in the blank. Will we choose to rely on the strength of the flesh or the power of the Spirit? Right? That's the question we're faced with. That's going to be the continuous question all the time for us Christ followers. Are we going to rely on the strength that we have? and our resources and our ability to do things, or are we going to rely on the Spirit? That's really the question. Um, I wanted to give a few minutes here for... Uh, uh, Justin's going to come up, share a couple things. You're going to sing a song too? Is that what you're doing? You're not singing a song? That's not a lot. All right, he's going to share a couple words, and we're going to take communion together.